What's up, Drop Podcast listeners? You can find the Drop Podcast wherever podcasts can be found. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday. You can find all of our content on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast. And make sure you check out our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Drop underscore pod. But no matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by All County Exteriors. All County Exteriors is a third generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Caring Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. What time are we teeing off? Yeah, good. I need to go do some yoga. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Hope you all had a great week. Last week was a huge, huge episode. It was our one-year anniversary. If you did not listen, make sure you go back, check that out. Uh, Mike and I kind of give some recaps of the year, think about where we're going, that sort of thing. Uh, again, it was, it was a fun episode. Mike, one year of doing this every Wednesday has been, uh, has been a lot of fun, and we're, and we're moving forward. Episode one of the new year, I guess. Yeah, this is episode one of year two. Today's guest, we got Jack Irons. Uh, Jack is an absolute stud golfer. Uh, he finished, he was a finalist in the 2021 Philly Am. Uh, he qualified, you may remember his name, we've talked about him. He's partners with Troy Venucci. They qualified for the match play at the USGA four ball. Uh, we had Troy on in episode seven. You remember Troy plays out of Little Mill uh, down in South Jersey. Jack plays out of Medford Lakes, uh, also out of Little Mill, but we got to play with him at Medford Lakes the other day and, and just had an awesome time. So stick around, give this interview with Jack a listen. Yeah, I want to say this about Jack. I mean, we had the opportunity to go out there and play and sit down with him in person. And if you recall, Rye, last episode, we kind of said, like, what are we looking to do as we project ahead in year two? You know, like, what are some things that we're looking to do? And one of the things that you and I brought up is we would like to be able to sit down in person, talk to people face-to-face, and then if we're able to have the opportunity as well to go play with them, let's do more of that. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, episode number one of year two. What do we do? Not only do we talk the talk, but we walk the walk. We got out there, first episode, bam, Sit down at Medford Lakes, beautiful little spot. That clubhouse was was nice. 
that little area where we sat down at a nice little poker table, had a shuffleboard. The, it the, really the, was a good little, yeah, good little area there. Nice little spot. So we got to sit down to talk with Jack bright and early. Um, you know, we, we talked about like his upbringing, you know, his successes and then being able to actually go witness some of the things firsthand on the golf course. I mean, that place was, that was, that was a neat little spot. And, you know, I, I, I like to think a lot of people know who Jack is, but if you don't, you got to go give him a follow on Instagram at Jack irons golf. Um, he does some cool things. He's got a lot of good content out there. And, and again, it was, a, it was great to be out there in person, kind of following up things that we said we wanted to do. Yeah, you know, we, we kind of talked it into existence. We mentioned it last week. We've been talking about it, you know, kind of off, off air for a while. And, and that's what we want to do more of. We want to come to your place. We want to interview people. We want to talk to people. We want to... Sometimes the word interview has, like, bad connotations, right? Like, we're just having conversations with people. We want to hear, hear your story and, and get it out there. Um, see the place that you call home as, as far as a golf course goes. And whether you're a, a player, a pro, superintendent, um, you know, we, that's, what, that's what we want to showcase. And, and that's what we mean. Showcase you and your place. And I think we, I think we, we did that. Episode one, bam, let's keep that up. Mike, let's, let's talk about Bedford Lakes. What would you think of the course? What would you think of Jack? What would you think of our time there? Yeah, so listen, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't really know much about Medford Lakes. I, I truly Me didn't. Um, I, I've heard Medford Village, and I think when I initially talked to Jack, I thought that's where we were off to, and he had to correct me and say we're going to Medford Lakes. So I said, all right, let me do some, you know, research about the golf course because, you know, I'm like, like everybody else, I want to know where I'm going, and I saw that the golf course from the back tees wasn't that far. It was only about 6,200 yards from the back tees. And I think, you know, when you hear 6,200 from back tees, you're like, oh, this is going to be some, you know, pitch and putt and nothing nothing to it. But I thought it was very narrow, especially on the back nine. I saw thought some of the greens were, were like small and, and, and dime-like and... They had, uh, they had a little bit of sneaky undulation in them, too, because I know multiple times I said, like, dude, I have no idea which way this putt is breaking. I think it goes right. And then Jack had to step in and be like, no, nah, it actually goes left. I'm like, say, well, that's a good thing. You know, I'm asking you because I wouldn't be close. And then the times I didn't ask him, I still thought it went one way and I was completely wrong. But I thought the course was in, was in good shape. Um, nothing beats fall golf. You know, I, I truly believe that this time of the year we were out there. So good. Um, it's so good. So it's so good. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if there was a particular hole that really was like that stood out as like I thought this was the best from the rest. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but I I think you know Jacket did mention to us that they flipped the nines recently. That the back nine is now the front nine, and the front nine is now the back nine in terms of how they you know arrange their holes. So I literally thought like when I. Th- think about that golf course. I thought the first hole was cool. I, I do I, I do think that was a great first hole in terms of like, you had the bunker out there on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. You had that huge like pond-like yeah. water right in front of the green, two-tiered green, the trees surrounding the backside of it. I don't know. To me, it was just like a great opening hole that it wasn't very long. It was like 370 from the back tees. But it was kind of like 
there was a lot of strategy, I would say, that's involved with your golf game there. When you started talking about Signature Hole, and I know we talked about this out there, and I know that we asked Jack even before, as soon as you said it, my mind went to the first hole. I thought that that was a really nice hole, and I like the change in the leg out. Why they didn't have it flipped, like 1929 is when the course opens, right? If you've never played there, go there, and you'll figure that out quickly. It's, it's on every side that they have. <laughs> it's part of their logo, right? It has, it has like the little yeah. thing. It says 1920. Yeah. It's a good logo. It, it really is. I'm not, I don't love mean that. to sound I like I'm not I actually love their logo. I, I did too. I love that yeah. logo. But to me, having hit the range, you got to go down, like down the 10th hole, you get to the first hole, and, and then you're kind of onto the course. That makes the most sense. I, I thought it would be backwards if they had it the other way. Because it is very, like, I would think it would be herky-jerky. You're ending on all the way over there on 9, which is where 18 is now, and then coming back to 10. No, going all the way to 1. That, you're that going would out be, to 1, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. would be, that, that's way too long. That's, that's. This is, this is the better way. I think they got a good setup there now. But anyway, that first hole I thought was really good. You got kind of an a interesting little, you know, there's a bunker out there kind of plays into, into it a little bit. You got, a, um, you got the pond in front, like you said, and it was really, it, it was a pretty hole. Again, that was where my first, my mind went to right away. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I thought was kind of like, uh, cool about it is I, I loved how they had those pavers on the driving range too. Oh, how good of awesome. a touch was that? I thought that touch is like, first of all, I've never seen something like that, but nope. that looks so clean. So, sh you know, like nicely done. I'm sure it had like members names or people that had passed away or important, you know, there were, I saw a couple that were like in memory of, yeah, I like yeah. that. The, when they do that, I like that little touch that they give. That's a, that's a yeah. nice little touch that whoever thought of that yeah. good on you. Cause that was, that's a, so many places when you're trying to separate yourself with different things and now like they can't, they can't make the course much different, right? It's, it's kind of like in golf, it's not like they can add more yardage or anything like that. So finding ways to bring people in, finding ways to uh, accentuate your course, that I thought was really, really cool. I thought they did yeah, an awesome I, job yeah, with that. I, I like that a lot. And I think when, you, you know, the back nine to me was a little different than, let's just say, like the first 11 holes. Like the first 11 holes to me, like you could spray it a little bit and still have an opportunity to get to the green. But then I felt like once you crossed the road and you yeah. went to 12 through 18, there was a lot more emphasis on driving the golf ball straight now mm -hmm. again like i said the holes weren't necessarily long like 390 par three a uh, par fours 316 a sh only a 500 yard par five like they weren't long necessarily if you look at numbers but boy oh boy you needed to be like fred funk and drive that ball dead center of the fairways otherwise like you were trying to carve it out of the trees or chip it out sideways um so I know a lot of people had asked me, like, oh, Mike, what you think of Medford Lakes? And I said, listen, I didn't think it was a very long golf course, but I'll tell you this, if, if you did not drive it straight, you could find yourself making bogeys very easily. Yeah, or 
or triples, which, you know, I don't, I'm not going to confirm or deny that anyone had to make. But uh, Yeah, but you making triples is, wasn't because you were driving it poorly. You caught that you were you were straight up deselling on downswings and hitting divots the size of like nine twelve inches long. Well, those are you those were some of the doubles, but some of the triples, the, like there was there was a couple where I had like Did, you know, I was you just o- I was just off the fairway. I tripled one, and it's because I was behind the tree. And then well, n- one you tripled because you you hit a f- you hit like a, a five iron from a hundred yards over the green. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then I was behind a tree. <laughs> but the, I mean, the other time when you chipped out of the woods and you were behind a huge clump of grass, like that, not getting all the way out there was a was a bad double. Right. But it wasn't necessarily because you you drove it like to ease. No, bubble. it was be- no, but that's what I'm saying. I was just off- what I'm saying is I was just off the fairway and then you got to kind of play the hit it out there or you got to you know, that's the kind of thing where it's going to make you find shots where you got to all right, I got to really really spray this one with a like I really got to helicopter this one to get it to fade to around this tree or I got to hook it around like some of those shots it it makes you it makes you think a little bit or you're just punching out because again on that on the backside to your point it's just it's a tighter golf course and it, it really yeah. is you can kind of tell it's not Manasquan where you got like where you got woods on one side and and like Lynx golf on the other but it's very it, it, you can tell it's got a different feel to it, 12 through 18, than it does 1 through 11. Yeah, I mean, all in all, I, I, I think it's a it's a cool little spot. Sounded like Jack had a lot of buddies that he played with a lot out there. Another awesome thing that I thought, like when we talk about high school golf too, how nice of it is that it's Shawnee's home golf course. Like, I mean, I know it, it has a huge sign that says Shawnee Golf. Like, nothing, nothing says that you support high school or junior golf by putting a sign up like that. I know a lot of memberships say it. I know a lot of golf course promote it, but the idea is that you have a huge sign that says home of Shawnee golf. Like God, I mean that to me screams that like, not only do I support it and I advocate for it, but I'm going to put this huge sign up there. So to me, like huge credit to Medford lakes to, to, to doing that. I mean, God, I wish growing up as a kid when I was in high school, like I had a home golf course that was a private golf course. You know, I mean, we were out of Spring Meadow. Yeah, uh, it would be it would be great. I mean, it's right down the road. It's it's. Uh, I would imagine the kids can probably even walk there if they needed to. Uh, but it is it is nice to see that kind of support for uh, junior golf. Um, I know we talked about uh, that with Mark Bryson about being such a such a supporter of junior golf and there's some places that you know this is an entire entire um club that's doing it so it's nice it really is nice to see but yeah cool little spot um again it kind of had little mill-ish vibes at times but you can kind of tell that that's the that's the vibe down in that south southwest jersey kind of part of the state there mike let's stay on the golf course you had an experience that I know I'm looking forward to at some point. I have not had the opportunity to get to play this course. You have. This is your second time, I believe you said, but the first time was, as the kids would say, hella long ago. Galloway National. You went down, got to play it. Uh, I'm not sure how. 
it was it was downpouring, but you still got out there. Let's talk about the experience. Tell me about Galloway, because I am I, I really that's one of the places in New Jersey. There's a few spots that are not obviously I'm dying to get to Baltusra. Obviously dying to get to Plainfield, Liberty National, Bayo, like the top, top tier spots in New Jersey, like the top, you know, five places. But this is a place that I think is down the way a little bit in like the Yasna Palana kind of way that like I really want to get to that's not in that top tier. So talk to me about Galloway. What are your what are your well, thoughts, I, feelings? I'll say this about it. I don't know how it's not in the top tier. And I and I I'm uh, blown I mean, it's, away. It's in the top twenty in the state. You look at all the lists, but it's not in that like. What I mean is, it's not in like the. They're not holding PGA Tour events there. But to its credit, like I don't want to make it sound like it's not good. It did just host the. Um, what conference Big is Ten. that? Big Ten. The Big Ten. Big Ten. It, it just hosted the Big Ten tournament this past spring. So it's it's not like. It's not like it's not on the map, but again, it's not on that. Uh, it's not on that Bayonne Liberty National level as far as like national recognition. So I know, that's but what I'm saying, what yeah, and what I'm saying to you is, I don't know how it's not. Okay. I am blown away with this little spot in terms of like you don't think what they have until you get to see what they have. That driving range. I swear to God, it mirrored Matitaconk. Wow, it's that's not, high praise. It's, it's not Matitaconk where Matitaconk has a whole like, like acres upon acres of range. But like when you get to the putting green and then you look to your left, this range is a full grass range. And it is like, it just extends so deep into the woods that you're like, oh my God, they have this much land out here? Dude, I am blown away that this course is not ever in any conversation like you just mentioned. You don't ever hear Galloway with Liberty National, Bayonne, Baltusrol, Plainfield, Hollywood. Like, it never pops up. And quite frankly, I don't know how. It's amazing. The go- so- Yes, the craziness is yes, I played it. The conditions were not ideal in terms of the weather. But that didn't change my, ask, my, my opinion of that place. Blown away. So freaking good. So freaking good. So, Mike, let me ask you. Uh, like, I, I pulled it up on Google Maps, and, and I saw it is, it is different green coloring than other courses, right? Like, you look on the map, and you're like, wow, this is, it looks super well manicured. Just from the, the again, the Google Maps aerial view. How, is the, how are the conditions of it in that realm? Dude, dude, when I say, when I say, I wish I had the money because I would be a member there over so many other spots that we have had the opportunity to play. Wow. Okay. Because that, that place stretches out. I mean, and I played it and it wasn't even the nicest weather. It was like spitting rain. Then it would stop. The views, Unbelievable. And I will tell you what I think you would love about this place. I was just going to ask you. I'm look again, looking at the course, and I want to talk about. I don't know the numbers of the holes here, but there's a couple holes that look like they are that they're at a like the view is just. Listen, top-notch. I don't know what holes what you're looking at, but if you could find like just for example the first hole, the green, you look straight in the backdrop. There's Atlantic City. You right, go to the seven. You go to the 17T par three. The backdrop. 
whole is all Atlantic City. You're basically hitting the wood, the ball into what looks like the Atlantic City skyline. That's that's what I'm looking at here. That's and that's then, exactly then, what I'm looking at. And there's two things that really, to me, that made me think of you when I was out there playing. And I know that's kind of Aww. like weird. I know I just kind of, and I know you would like that, but I had to say it. one. When you're coming up the 18th hole, it's a dogleg right par four. And they had this huge patio outside the restaurant, clubhouse, bar area. And all these guys are out there taking bets on if I would hit the green. I got five bucks, he hits the green. Now I hear this. I hear all these guys chirping like, oh, I bet you. And the two guys I was playing with, two of my buddies, one guy says, oh, he's definitely hitting the green. He's even par through fucking 17 holes, whatever the case is. So oh, hold on. Let, let's, let's stop real quick. So this par three here going. 17? I'm, I'm asking. So 17, you're teeing off from like the clubhouses right behind you? Is this 17? Um, yes, yes, yes. That's 17. And then yep, 18 yep. Is, a, is this? Dog leg right par four. Dog leg right par four. Now, now it's on your left. Okay. Yep. So that's the. Okay. Okay. So, so I hit I'm my tee at. shot. I hit my tee shot in the middle of the fairway on 18, and these guys are making bets while while we're drink while they're drinking and we're just hitting. So my buddy says, "Oh no, the, he's even par. He's definitely hitting on the green." So now you hear them change their bet. All right, ten to one that he gets it inside 20 feet. Now I'm trying to hit my shot, and I hear these guys <laughs> betting, and, and all I can think about is how you say all the time. I'd love to be out there just making dollar bets on guys hitting the fairway or hitting the green. And these guys are on there. Make a long story short, I end up three-putting, right? I three-putt the 18th hole, shoot one over, and I hear the guys in the background after I missed like the five-foot par putt, like, oh, he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. <laughs> I guess I lost some. I won some guys some money, and I lost some guys some money. So that made me think of you like, oh, that's that little environment is something that is right up your alley. It really is. I told you one of my favorite spots I've ever sat is True Blue down in South Carolina, down like a little south of Myrtle Beach in Pauly's Island. That 18th hole like sits on top. The the bar has this overlooked area, sits on top of the of the hole. It's it's such a cool spot. Again, just just putting dollar bills down on whether they're doing it it is is something I'm looking forward to in my Retirement, dude, and then and then the last thing that obviously besides the golf course, I mean, I could rant and rave about the golf course. I can, and I can't wait to put out my Mike versus when I played a good par three, a good par four there. Dog leg left is really cool, but they have what they call snack stands. So, like, I shouldn't say stands, snack stations, because. You know how you drive and you always see like, oh, they got water coolers and they got like, you know, water, you can go pick up waters as you're driving. They have what are called snack stations. I have no idea about this. So we get done playing the second hole and we're going past like coolers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to grab a water or something. Anybody else want anything? I open it up, bro, filled with candy, peanut M&Ms, paydays, M&Ms, Snickers. And I'm like, I feel like I just hit the lottery. So I grab a couple fucking snacks and I'm eating the snacks. <laughs> I get to the back nine and now all we're talking about is when's the next snack station? When's the next? We get to like the we get to like the thirteenth hole. We open it up, filled with snacks, all different types of candies, this, that. And I'm like, my oh my, is this heaven? 
Yeah, that's you said that to me, and that sounded like something that I I would I would take advantage. I can't of lie. As well. I can't lie. I <laughs> I took advantage of the peanut M and M's. So I I apologize to the people at Galloway because they had to probably restock all the peanut M and M's because <laughs> I devoured every single one. <laughs> Even my buddy said to me, "You're taking another bag." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm taking another bag. Yeah, we passed another station. Yeah, that's what yeah. this is for. But gotta, I will say this. That golf course. I don't want my blood is, sugar too low. <laughs> yeah, that golf course was so good, dude. I And I don't know if it's maybe the membership doesn't isn't looking to promote it the way these other courses are. Like, they want their name out there more. They, they like to be, you know, the high-profile, constantly being talked about, constantly in the mix of all these different, like, LPGA, Corn Ferry, different types of tournaments in the area. And I don't like, I don't know if they just enjoy being like that South Jersey gem, but Tom Fazio and the design, the architecture is unbelievable. And I can't say this enough. Like, I know it may not be in the same clout as those other courses you mentioned, but if you get the opportunity to go play Galloway, I am telling you right now, there is not a spot that I've played that just really had everything nuts and bolts the way that place did. And I know that people are like, oh, what about Madison Square Garden? Listen, I get it. To me, like, that's a whole nother animal. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the places that I've played recently. Like, that place was like the cream of the crop. It truly was. Now, again, Pine Valley's out of the question again because you're not really getting the invite. But I'm saying, like, that place, bro, you've got to find a way to get on there. You got to make a call, got to get a connection. And say, dude, do me, do me a favor. I owe you big time. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try making it work, and maybe we can get you out there again and see if you can, you can break, uh, break one over. That place, that place, I would go out again and play. I know you always say, like, are you? How can you not go play this place a second time? I know you played it. That place, I will go <laughs> play a second time. No questions asked. George Wall Ford in Red Bank, New Jersey is family owned and operated, proudly serving New Jersey residents with superior customer service since 1960. George Wall Ford is a 23-time President's Award winning store, the most prestigious customer satisfaction award a Ford dealer can receive. This golfing family knows what's best from the rest, so make sure you stop in the showroom today to see their surplus of different cars, SUVs, trucks, and more, or visit them at www.georgewall.com. There isn't a better place to shop. Just call 732-704-1932 and ask for Jeremy Wall. George Wall Ford and Red Bank for all your car buying needs. Mike, I am excited to talk to you about this. Because this has been a year's worth of, uh, of stuff for us. We have, we have a Corn Ferry Tour. We got 30 guys that, are, that got their card. They're moving on to the, to the tour. And three of them are Jersey guys. Chris Goderup, Max Grazerman, Ryan McCormick. Three guys from Jersey. Three guys that we've talked to. Two guys we've had on. Uh, this is, this has been an awesome ride to see it. So, uh, before you say it, Mike, I want to give a big, big shout out. Congratulations to those three. That is really, really awesome. And I'll tell you, nothing was cooler than seeing those, 
um, seeing them like nail that last nail into their cards, everybody holding up and the, all the announcements and all the pomp and circumstance that happened. It was really, really cool to see uh, on Sunday there in Indiana. Yeah, listen, I mean, I think you and I have been on this trail for, for quite some time now, dating back to when we had Chris on before the season started and then Ryan in the middle of the season, you know, just weren't, haven't been able to catch up with Max, but, I, you know, I think we will this winter. But just following their journey, you know, I think like a lot of times, you and I vicariously are living through these guys. You know, we're rooting for them every which way. You know, I think they're always favorites of mine in terms of when I pull up the Corn Ferry Tour, the mm-hmm. schedule, the leaderboard. I'm always checking to see where they're at. Um, and just to see them all get in, I mean, how unbelievable is that when you think 30 guys get in and three of them are just from the state of New Jersey alone? I think you saw how many people in this state were backing them on Instagram and social media. Like everybody was full support for them. Um, and dude, I just, I'm ecstatic for them. I, I truly am. Can, can I tell you, Mike, I'm ecstatic for everybody, right? Cause, cause you know that they've had these dreams for years and like everybody can, anyone who's ever been involved in sports can appreciate this, uh, this success or this, this accomplishment for them. But having, having had a relationship, particularly with Chris and Ryan, hit differently for me. And, and maybe even more so with Ryan. And here's why. I know we, we both know Chris and, and have, and have uh, had him and, and Ryan on the show. But getting to sit down with Ryan at the Corn Ferry Tour when they came to Matita Conk and having that interaction with him and walking the ropes with him and watching him hit balls, that little bit extra than just, Hey, he was a guy on zoom made me feel connected to his, to him and his story. And while I was riding the coattails of it, I don't want to make it seem like I had anything to do with it. It had nothing to do with, with any success whatsoever. But like, I feel, I felt more vested in his story because I because it's recent in in seeing it, and again, not that it wasn't for Chris, because because we've known Chris for a few years, but but seeing Ryan's this year and having his Bull Durham story of he's been grinding, he's in his thirties. Bull Durham's a movie, Mike. I don't know if you know that, but he's a, a minor leaguer who's you know finally makes it to the majors, and it's it's a great movie. You should watch it. But having this story of of having him finally make it and he's been he's been grinding away for years and years and years and this is the first time it happened and it I couldn't be happier it literally seeing that stuff on Instagram seeing him his posts that say dreams do come true literally almost brought me to tears I got chills immediately and and again almost started started crying for him and I have chills now talking about it again I am so over the moon happy for these guys, I just, I, it's, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think what was just so genuine about the whole thing, and I think it kind of like summarizes it is, you know, the way the embrace that Chris had with his dad right there oh. at, at the end. I mean, the, even for Chris making that double bogey late down a stretch and then following it up with a birdie just to make sure he gets in. Like, yeah. you know, those little things just like, you know, just put life in perspective that like, you know, it is like Chris even had tweeted out or, or posted like it's all about, you know, this is the teamwork that made the dream work. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like, 
you seeing all those people there that have supported you for so long and same thing with Ryan and same thing with Max and them finally being able to go play with the big dogs. Like I can't wait for the PGA tour season to begin. I can't wait to catch up with the three of them and I can't wait to follow and, and root for them along the entire way. Yeah. So, so happy. It, it, it really was uh, another story and it has nothing to do with New Jersey, but did you see the guy who he doubled or bogeyed the last hole? He thought he was out. That he at like one at like one there was like a time lapse, right? At one thirty he was out. He's in his car. He's he's you assume crying. he's crying, but like he's yeah, head down and, and like he's in the trunk of his car and then it kinda passes by and like kinda as the things start to fall into place, he ends up coming in thirtieth and it just it just then the jubilation of him again the the yin and the yang the, the you know the agony and the ecstasy of it was wasn't it was so I mean it, it brings reality and, and again it's why we love sports people have said it for for years we've said it on this show it's why sports are great you know they they have that they have that one shining moment for a reason at the end of of the March Madness because that's why we love sports those moments are so so great and. And seeing them and just having a little bit of personal uh, connection made it so much more, so much better. It was so, so good. So, again, congratulations to those guys. Couldn't be happier for you. Really looking forward to, to some more interactions. Um, Mike, I'm sure, I'm sure you DM'd them. I know I did. Just saying congratulations and, and looking forward to talking more. But, yeah, can't wait to, to get back to them and... And again, just just elated, just elated. I, I'm out of words, just elated for him. I second that. <laughs> well said. There's nothing else that needs to be added. All right. I totally agree. All right, Ryan. So listen, I know you saw the video this weekend of the man, the myth, the legend swinging a golf club. That big for cat. the first time in a long time. Out there at the hay, at Pebble. I know we talked about it last week when we were talking about Ryder Cup rundown and and the recap and the whole nine about he's going to be ready for Augusta and he's probably going to win Augusta this year at the Masters. But Tiger Woods was swinging a golf club for the first time in a while. What do you think of that? I mean, I'm under the impression that he's been swinging it for a little bit. And just hasn't put it like it's been, you know, G14 classified. So again, I'm I'm not shocked. Nothing Tiger does shocks me. Again, I might I said it before, like playing in the Masters might be a lot, but he, he there's nothing he could do that's gonna surprise me at this point in his career. He's a phenomenal golfer. It's just a matter of like he can stand over any ball, over any shot, and make it do whatever it needs to do. That's not the problem. The problem is him walking. So him swinging the club like this is fantastic. Love to see it. Can he walk from point A to point B at Augusta in those mountains that they have on the fairways? That's, that's my concern with Tiger. And, yeah, that, that's my concern with him. What did you think of his swing? Did you think his – I mean, I'll be honest with you. I watched the video probably about – 500 times, maybe six, okay? But 
I don't know why, but it looked it looked like a different golf swing. He looked more like hunched over. I couldn't tell if like his left ankle was. A, so I don't that's, know. I, I, I think he's going to have to have a golf swing because didn't they didn't they fuse his ankle together? Uh, I can't imagine that he's able to rotate the way that he's been able to rotate with whatever the surgery was. And I don't know if it was, I don't remember exactly what happened with the surgery, but from having many surgeries myself, it takes a little while to get the new part of whatever it is that you used to do, doing what it's got to do now. And for him, if it's transferring his weight from his right to his left, he's got to get all the all the balance there, all the little muscles. He's got to figure out how his ankle can turn. Maybe he's even going to have his left foot out a little bit because he's got to be open more with his hips to get through. Like, that's all something he's got to figure out. So Tiger's got some stuff to figure out with that. Again, I have no doubt that he'll figure it out. For me, it's will his leg be able to take four days of hiking? But I will say this, this is the time of the year when we start to see these little videos of Tiger emerge. Every year. Yeah, this is... This, the golf season's ending, it's kind of like a downtime, he kind of starts gearing up for the PNC with his son, like, now the chatter's going to be like, can Tiger play, can, you know, him and his son playing in this, you know, I don't even know what the name of the tournament is, Any is called, it used to be like father-son, but now it's like parent child I don't even really know what it is anymore these days but I this is when those rumors start to fly and and the nice thing for Tigers he's just flying around in a cart he doesn't have to walk Charlie can walk and God it would be nice to see his his rear end out there just smashing golf balls because you can't lie that little that little birdie be talking come August uh, uh, April when that you know the, the weather starts to turn and we see the blooming of the flowers and the green grass at Augusta. And we start talking about Tiger Woods. Listen, you might the want to bet cat. him now. You might want to bet him now. <laughs> bet him to win the Masters now. You're not going to find better odds. No, they're only going to get better from here or worse, depending on which way you want. Uh, it's called the PNC Championship is the one that's held at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh with his, which is the parent-child or what used to be the father-son. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's, his social media team always does it right. He always does it with, like, hey, this is, this is a downtime. Let's throw the people a little, a little crumb. Here's a little crumb to keep you, keep you hungry enough, right? What's that? There's a, a, I know you're not a movie guy. There's a line from Eight Men Out, the Black Sox scandal. What do you feed? Uh, what the do you hell feed is a, that? The Black Sox scandal? Oh, is that a movie? Eight Men Out's a movie. It's about oh, the 1919 I know the White Sox, Sox scandal. Yeah. yeah, I know about, yeah, I knew that. So there's, there's one of the gamblers says, uh, what do you feed, um, what do you feed a, work, a tired workhorse in the morning? Just enough so he knows he's hungry. So that's what Tiger's doing. Tiger's just dribbling these little, these little crumbs all over and making us lap them all up. Be like, ooh, Tiger, Tiger, ooh. Just, just slurping all these crumbs up, and then it's going to come out, and he's, gonna, he's playing in the Masters, and you're going to have some kind of huge commercial for it or something. It's going to be Tiger 
coming in with the backwards hat and the sunglasses on, and then everybody is just gonna is just gonna be infatuated with it again. And it's like, well, yep, myself here it is included. Again. Myself included. I'll be wearing red shirts all week long for Augusta. <laughs> but listen, it was nice to see him swinging. I'm glad that he's back and at, at it. And keep throwing me the crumbs because I'll be gobbling those bad boys up. All right, Mike, before we end this, I got a question for you. I saw this and I wanted to ask you. I think it's a good question. It gets you thinking about a bunch of different things. And I also think it's more self-reflective than it initially comes off at are you telling me are you trying to tell me something no I'm, no 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 i just oh. no, no no as i thought about it i was like oh I it would be this tell, wait a I second no, I, I need to self-reflect this. about no 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 like, <laughs> <laughs> not, no mike, not a little deep down inside and you got to start figuring some things out mike <laughs> you're gonna play a round of golf with a pro and the pro is only gonna shoot one shot a hole for you or one one kind of shot a hole for you. Which are you choosing? Here's your four options. Your driver, your approach shot, short game shot, or putting. If I had to choose a pro to hit one of my shots. Every hole, you're going to play this, this round of golf with a pro, and the pro is only going to be hitting one shot or one, one version of a shot, right? I, well, I can't imagine that like the sh- like they hit an approach and it misses the green and they have to re-approach the green. But you know what I'm saying. What are you picking? Driver, oh, approach, short game, putting. A hundred times out of a hundred, you're putting it. Because I feel like, I know this may sound like, I don't even know what the word, cocky. Maybe it sounds cocky, but I feel like I can drive the ball relatively straight. I can put the ball. Well, hold on. Just because it ends straight doesn't mean you drive it straight. <laughs> right. Well, listen. I mean, <laughs> I think I drive it relatively straight on planet Earth. I think I can put it somewhere on the green. I just know I'm not making many putts. So, I mean, I'm signing that pro up to, to roll the flat stick a hundred times out of a hundred for me. And if that's the case, I may be like shooting 65. Yeah, I thought you would say that for you because I think that's true. I think that you're, especially when you're playing well, your putting is the worst part of your game. Whoa, now, think, whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me I'm wrong. I second, I second that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought that was the same for you. I thought it would be putting. For someone like me. Yeah, what are you picking? Right. I thought this, it was, it was big self-reflection for me when I read this. I don't think it's driver because I think I hit it, the driver, pretty decently well as far as the rest of my game goes. I don't think I hit enough greens. And I think if, I, if you were to ask me what the worst part of my game is, I think it's hitting greens. I, I just, my, my irons or my approach, they're not dialed in enough to hit hit greens enough times to then two putt. And to that point, I think I'm a pretty decent putter in that like my lag putting is, is pretty good. So I think I'm having them hit approach shots so that I can hit the green and then, like I know that I'm not missing the greens then. And then it's just, can I two putt? Or the, here's the other thing, 
in theory, a pro is going to knock it pretty close to the green, pretty close to the hole more often than not too. So can I knock down a couple four-footers? You know what I mean? So I think for me, that's, that's the one that I, that I would pick. Yeah, that's definitely a tricky question for you because I don't... Because I mean, so much needs work. I've seen, I've, <laughs> oh, you took the words out of my mouth. But um, I, I've seen you drive the ball on a rope often. I've seen you roll the flat stick extremely well. And I mean, Essex Fells jumps straight to my mind because when we were at Brian Gaffney, you, I don't think I've ever seen you roll the ball better than like I've, I've never, I've in my life, I've never rolled the ball that well in my, in my okay. entire life. And I probably never will to have, to have yeah. 10 putts through nine holes is, is crazy yeah. in front of Brian Gaffney. Yeah. Right. Again, so, never going to happen. Not even like it was just like you and I. It was like in front of a guy that knows what he's doing who's very good as well. So I thought yeah. that was kind of impressive. So like I've seen you roll it. I would have probably agree that I would take your approach shots to the green. That would be my choice for you because I do think there's times where I've seen an array of shots. I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. And I've seen the ugly. Mm-hmm. And that to me would be an area that if you had more consistency in and your misses are more in a controlled miss, mm-hmm. I think your scores would be so much lower. And when I say so much lower, I think you would be like sub 85 all the time. I agree. Because when I, totally when, I agree. Think, when I think about your rounds, like there are, there are so many times you're like, I can't believe that ball went that far or I can't believe that ball was that short. And I think that's a lot of times why you decel on your downswing, causing you to chunk a lot of shots because there is so much confusion, really, in terms of like, all right, I don't really know if this is going to go 20 yards over or 20 yards short. And you're like, I better lay off it at the last second and you take a nine-foot divot. And you just lay the sod over it. Whereas if you had someone hitting those approach shots, you would be a single-digit handicap. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I really do. I know that that's the worst part of my game. It does require work, and I just I, I don't have the time. And as you say, like, when do you practice? Well, you know, five minutes before we tee off. I hit a couple balls, and then I go out there. So it comes from lack of work. I know that, and I would like to be better. I'm conscious about that. And the times where I do get to go out and, and put some work in, I try to, but it's not, it's not as often as it as it needs to be to, to bring that down. But again, I, I know, I know that that's the case. So I thought that was a super interesting question. I thought it was very, again, self-reflective of their, of their game. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to have to be that person that has no flaws in their game. Well, Why are you I all get... quiet over there? Why are you all quiet over there? If I say that. Cause, cause it's just, Stop being a maniac on the greens. <laughs> you miss a you miss a twelve foot putt. It's okay. Tap it in. Let's move to the next one. Do you know what the averages are? Have you seen that sheet? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. That like I'd like to think I'd like to think I'm the exception to that rule though. See now, see now that's just silliness. Stop with that to foolishness. Be, you got you got to have confidence. You can have confidence, but uh, again over. 
over th- thousands, if not millions of shots, pros are missing a, a, or making a 12-foot putt. It's like 30% of the time or something like that. What, what's, that's craziness to think that you're better than those people. It is craziness, but guess what? You're crazy, I know. <laughs> it's a great ending. Well, I think that's a great, great spot to stop then, Mike. <laughs> We're going to send you now to... Uh, to Someone our... who's not crazy. Someone who's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to send you to our, our sit-down with Jack Irons. Again, I, I said at the top of the show, Jack is um, 2021 Philly Am finalist. Troy's partner at the USGA four ball. And I think they're partners. I, I think that's just what they are. They're, they're partners with their, whenever they got something four ball. Uh, he finished second recently at the Delaware amateur. He shot 18 under guys and came in second. I'll re I'll restate that. He shot 18 under and came in second. Uh, he lost on the fourth playoff hole an absolute stud. Just want to throw in a little caveat about uh, the audio for Jack's interview. Want to give you the heads up that this is just Mike and I doing a podcast here by ourselves. Uh, we don't have, you know, we don't have production background or anything like that. But we, we've been do, trying to do a good job, but some sometimes we mess up, and uh, we had a little glitch in the in the matrix uh, for our interview with Jack. So the audio for Jack himself is not going to sound up to snuff. Hope it doesn't deter you guys enough to to not listen because it is a good interview. It's a fun interview, but um, his audio is going to sound not as not as clear as Mike and mine's audio does, which I don't know if that's proper English, but whatever. So kick back, relax. Here's our interview with Jack Irons. Enjoy. So today's guest was a finalist at the 2021 Philadelphia Amateur. He qualified for the 2023 USGA four ball match play with a former guest, Troy Venucci. And this year was finished in second place at the 2023 Delaware Amateur, shooting a remarkable 18 under through four rounds. Today's guest is Jack Irons. Jack, so thanks so much for coming on today's yeah, show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Jack, thank you for this. So, Jack, why don't we start here? Because I, I think, you know, watching you play golf through Instagram and seeing some of the unbelievable accomplishments that you've had throughout this season particularly, um, why don't you give the audience a little bit of a background about you, about, like, where you were, how things went, and then kind of, like, where things are at today. Yeah, so I mean, I'm 21 now, I've been golfing for 11 years, just loved it ever since I picked it up and just been grinding ever since. So I'm lucky, lucky to have it, you know, it's a big part of my life and yeah, it's just, the journey is awesome, Yeah, you know, just trying to get better each and every day. And so between like, so growing up, obviously, you know, I like to look at some things before we get here, but, you know, going from Florida coming up here you know what's the the correlation for you in terms of like time spent down there to time up here what's the connection tell us a little bit about that yeah so i I was born in philadelphia originally from this area medford um and i moved to florida when i was you know six years old and went to school down there but and i've always come up here in the summers 
and stayed at my grandparents' house, and now, now we got a place up here, so I'm you know half and half pretty much. Yeah, it's good. It's an early time to snowbird. Now listen, who wouldn't want to be doing right. that? Listen, sign me up for that right now. For sure. You know, um, and then obviously, you know, when you think about your golf, obviously you were very successful as a junior. And when I say junior, like as if he's an old guy or something. Yeah. But um, when you were in high school, you're very successful. Um, and then obviously, as you've gotten older, you're you're continuing that same trend. Um, what are some things in in as a as a high school golfer that you saw in Florida golf course wise that you see kind of up here in the Northeast a little bit? Um, I think both areas are really good for golf. I think the quantity is definitely more in Florida, but the quality up here, you know, you can't beat. There's so many good tracks up here. So I honestly, I mean, say obviously the quality down there, but I think quality wise, it's pretty even, honestly, maybe even give New Jersey the slight edge. Yeah. I think it's a super underrated golf state. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, t I totally So do Mike and I. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I think up here, and I know we say this a lot, like I think the golfing in the Garden State is legit second to none. I don't care if it's a public track or a private track. I think yeah. this state really has everything that encompasses that. Um, but let's get a little bit into your golfing um, because I, I – I see your name all the time on the leaderboards. I, I see that you travel a little bit between, you know, NJSGA events to Gap events to Delaware. Um, and, and I think the one thing I want to start with is, is that Delaware amateur. And, and I think, you know, having a Jersey guy go down there, represent us in terms of like the state and putting up those types of numbers, I think are unbelievable and I, yes at the top when I did say 18 under like yeah I was being serious it wasn't some made up number through four rounds and to think that like 18 under was second place like talk a little bit about that tournament down there you know is that something that you play in a lot is that your first time like what, what's kind of the connection to, to hopping down to Delaware now that you know I'm part of Gap the South Jersey area Gap has a uh, their Gap and Delaware I guess are connected now they have a merger so Gap guys can go down and play at Delaware events. So that's basically how I ended up down there. And then it was just, you know, this was kind of one of those weeks, you know, I was feeling good, I loved the course, and um, I just had a lot of fun. I mean, that was maybe some of the most fun I've ever had, you know, on a golf course. And, you know, I just kept it loose, and, you know, putter was hot. So that's always big for me, makes me putts, you know. You know, that's, uh, that's huge for me, but. And, and for four rounds to be 18 under, it's like you're talking video game like this. Right. I mean, it's not even like we're talking like, like and we're not, we're not talking a golf course that's 6,000 yards and these guys are going out there and doing it. We're talking like a championship, like the state amateur championship. And for 18 under to be through four rounds, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, four rounds in the 60s. I mean, that's... That's legit. It's consistently playing good golf. Is that the first time you saw the golf course? Had you had? Um, so I did the practice around the day before and shot eight under 64. <laughs> I, like, I love this place, but it was a kiss like, is this going to be bad? I don't yeah. want to waste all my birdies mm -hmm. in the practice round, but... Uh, no, nah, it was, you know, good vibes all week. So eight. Yeah, I, was, I kind of, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I was shooting like high six. I'm like, come on now. And the 64 in the practice round was the first time you saw the golf course. Yeah. Oh my God. 
Dude, that's golfing. I mean, oh let's God. combine this practice round <laughs> into the tournament, bro. And what was your worst round that week? Ah, uh, 68. I shot two 68s, two 67s, so. So good. <laughs> so good. Stupid good. That's so good. And then talk a little bit about that tournament coming down the stretch. Like, obviously, I know that you were trailing coming down. You found a way to, to get the ball in the hole at a, obviously a very low rate. Um, and then getting into the playoff a little bit. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I mean, I was the final round. The guy I was playing with, he got kind of hot early. I was just kind of, you know, minding my own business, just making, you know, you know decent golf, nothing crazy. We get to hole 15, four back, four to play. We both birdie 15, we go to 16, so I'm four back with three to play. I'm like, you know, maybe a miracle could happen, but, you know, still playing, you know, good golf. But at that point, I didn't think I had a chance. So, uh, I birdied 16, he bogeyed, we go to 17, he bogeyed 17, I had like a 13-footer, um, just missed it, we go to 18, and uh, lipped out a 20-footer for Eagle, which ended up would have been the winning putt, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was so fun. I mean, that's why, that's why he put all those hours in. That's why he practiced. That's why he do all these things is to just maybe one day have a chance to, you know, win a tournament or be in that position because nothing beats that. I mean, practice isn't always the most fun, but if it means getting in that position more often, it's always, you know, worth it. You can't beat that. That adrenaline, four back, three to go. And you're right, you're, that, that mental side creeps in saying like, I, I'm not really sure if I have a chance. I don't, I'm gonna grind my way, maybe make a few birdies, maybe yeah. makes a mistake. But then when you know that you're in a playoff and you go to the playoff and it's aggregate score or is it sudden death? So it was a three hole aggregate. Okay. It's high, I think we are both one under in the playoff in the first three holes, we had to go to a fourth hole, um, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so, you, so you leave there losing by one shot because I saw on the playoff it was 14 total strokes to your 15 or 15 to 16, something along those lines. Like, what type of motivation or like lighting of that fire does that give you? Like, all right, I'm there. I'm, I'm ready. I'm capable of taking that next step of holding that trophy at the end. Is that like... Does that motivate you more to go out and grind and practice a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I know, I think that's having a week like that. I think as an athlete, you always know you have that ability, but to actually do it, you know, definitely helps you to kind of know like, hey, you know, I've got the game. I just need to do it more consistently and all that. So it's definitely, you know, it's nice to see all my hard work that week pay off, but now it's just, you know, sharpening the edges, if you will, mm -hmm. just being a little bit more consistent and just getting there more often. So that's kind of my goal now. Because I know I've got the potential. It's just, you know, sharpening the edges. What kind of things are you doing to simulate that pressure? Like in, in, your, pra in your practice, you know, you can go hit a thousand golf balls and you're just getting that muscle memory. But, but when you get down, you know, four down with three to go, it, it ratchets it up the pressure. Is there something you do during your practice or during your grinding that's, 
that's helping you prepare for that pressure, that stress, or is it just something where in the match you're relying on the muscle memory and the hours that you've put in? Um, I mean, one I would say it's almost more fun than pressure at that point. Once you get into the round, it's kind of like, I don't know how you put it, it's more just fun. It's not as like, it's not as nerve wracking, but. That's what we do it for, right? Yeah, we like we're athletes, we, we're yeah. addicted to that, I mean, that pressure, yeah, that whatever. I'd say playing with my boy shit talking, you know, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> playing a tournament, but I'm, you know, playing for some money with the guys, but. Yeah, I mean, other than that, no. Okay. The rest is just, you know, repetition and practice and all that. But, you know, playing with my friends or, you know, having some fun, shit talking with the guys, that's all, uh, all good stuff. Yeah, and I, and I think that kind of like, you know, when you think about some of the guys that you play with, obviously, you know, we know Troy, you know, very well, being able to, you know, sit down and talk to him as well. And, and playing with, with guys like that, I think only drives that competitive fire and that pressure a little bit higher because, you know, I know you two have a very good relationship as well playing at the four ball, at the USJ four ball. So like those types of events, like I think getting underneath the gun, like, all right, I've, I've dealt, I've seen it. Like I can do it. And now when you're in those situations, those past experiences are things that you can rely on. And Obviously, you and Troy getting into the four ball. Like, what was that like going down there and playing a key one and, and that experience? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, you know, it was a lot of just to get there was awesome, and uh, we played really well in stroke play. And uh, unfortunately, we you know got we lost first round, but yeah, it was all all good positive things. You know. It was a fun, fun week. Do you think, do you think when, when you look back at, you know, I'd say when you look back at, you know, your summer, this, this summer specifically, and you look at that event, you know, like when you and Troy enter something like that, obviously I, I look at it like, okay, well, we got from New Jersey side, we got two studs going down there that, that qualified, that are make it to match play. Like when you guys go, are you saying like, we can win this whole damn thing? Or do you guys say like, oh, we just want to get to match play? Oh, for sure, are we both. I mean, I can't speak for Troy, but I definitely felt like we had a very good chance to win. Yeah, we, you know, strong team. Yeah. You know, in match play, all the things kind of have to go your way. You got to play the right team at the right time. You could you have the second best score of the day, but if the team you're playing with gets hot, you lose. That's match play, unfortunately. But. And is that something? Is that something that you can see yourself and and Troy doing together? more often yeah um so we'll have to wait until next year for that but yeah i think we make a good team so yeah so i i agree and our games are similar and all that so i think yeah we make a good team do you guys feel like you complement each other really well in that so. um i wouldn't say that I, just, I would say we have similar games like we both like to hit a fade we hit similar distances all that um you know we get around the course well but yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those things in a four ball, it's kind of like you're really just relying on somebody to be in the hole at all times, and if we can get it. pots, really. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, something we don't do, right? Yeah, so you and I, very yeah, you and I would not be a good four no. ball team because we hit it everywhere and we make nothing. So, like, you and I are not. <laughs> we can't snip any of these types of things. Um, 
You know, and I, and I think one thing that I always get asked a lot from, from listeners, especially, you know, high school kids that are looking to take their game, you know, to, to a level that maybe you're at or, and, and maybe even further to some extent to sometimes, like what are things that you would recommend to a high school kid who's, who's a scratch golfer, who's on the cusp of like, I, I can finish top fives and top tens, but I can't get over the hump. Like, is there a specific thing in people's games that you would recommend? Hey, listen, you need to go grind more at this than, than that. I would say everyone's different. Everyone's got a weakness, but I would also say don't neglect your strengths. You gotta make sure your strengths are your strengths. Everyone's gotta have, you know, a blueprint of why they're good. So don't forget your strengths. That's one thing I would say. Obviously you need to improve your weaknesses if you feel like, you know, for example, maybe you're putting, you don't make enough putts, or you three putt too much. And you gotta work on that, but yeah, don't neglect your strengths either. You still, because that's your strengths for a reason. And make sure anything try to get your strengths even better as well. So I would say that. Um, I mean, at least for me, because I can only speak on myself when I was, you know, in high school and all that. You know, I just grinded. I hit a lot of balls. I practiced a lot in general. But yeah, looking back at that point, making some swing changes, you know, during freshman, sophomore, whatever in high school. I just hit a lot of golf balls, yeah. and I almost got, in some way I got addicted to just wanting to be as good as I possibly can, and I got addicted to the golf swing, I got addicted to just almost being too much of a perfectionist, which looking back almost hurt me mm-hmm. a little bit, where now I play a little bit more free, and I don't, like I would go to the range sometimes and video 30 swings and trying to like work on certain things and trying to be... You know, trying to look like Adam Scott and this mm-hmm. and that, but, uh, but it didn't, I think overall it helped me more than it hurt just because I did, I got the golf bug, I wanted to be as good as I possibly can, and I just hit so many balls at that point in my life, but, uh, and now it's helped me because now i kind of got the mechanics down, so I can go and maybe not hit balls for a few days and still, you know, my swing's not going to leave me now, but. Yeah, mine still so, never showed up. Yeah, yet. I'm so, still trying to yeah, find mine. So, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I do like that point, though. Yeah, because for sure. I think that's a great spin on the question because I think a lot of people immediately go to like, oh, you got to spend more time on your short game. you got to go spend more time on putting. But like the idea of taking your strengths and enhancing them yeah. is a great point for younger kids to think about yeah i mean i've seen it you even see it with pros you see it you know i've done it as well like you may be hitting the ball maybe you're not hitting the ball as well but you're chipping and putting you know saving you so then you spend a month just trying to you know perfect your swing and then you come back and you're like oh i'm hitting it better but now i'm a short game Mm -hmm. just took a step back like jordan spieth an example or you know his swing kind of was a little bit off, I want to say maybe five, six years ago. Putting was awesome, and he grinded on his swing for a whole year, and then his putting just fell off. So it didn't, maybe his ball striking got a little bit better, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure you, you know, that's the hard thing about golf. It's not just practicing, you know, one thing. you got to practice all these aspects. Yeah, the, yeah I like that. that I think it's a too. great point. It, it is. is. Because I, I know I, I look at that a lot myself. Like to me, like there's times where I feel like I can get the ball from point A to point B, but I can 
I am like a mental case on the putting green. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep putting. And then, you'll see it in a little bit. Yeah, you'll see. <laughs> and then I'll make a few putts, and then all of a sudden I'll be straying my driver, which to me is like my most reliable club. So that is a, a good point for the audience to think about. I'm trying to think of what my best attribute is, and I really think your it's looks. making... It's your looks. Aw, thanks. Looks. I, I was going to say making cocktails on the course. That's probably... <laughs> the music is also could be a good one. And then, and then the weakness would be... Golf. Golf. Yeah. My, I think that's. I think that's fair. Vibes are massive. Yeah, that's. Yeah, you're a vibe guy. Stri- yeah, that's we my got, strength. You gotta have vibes. one guy in the group that's the vibe guy. And like, listen, as long as you're okay with being the vibe guy, you know, we're not looking for golf balls, but you can play the music, you know. Um, which you know kind of leads me to like your, you know, your future as you look ahead. You know, still being a, you know, like I look at you still as a young kid. What are some things that, like, if I said, you know, Jack, let's press the fast forward button and we're looking five, you know, seven years down the road, what are some things that you'd like to see evolve with your golf game or your career or your future? Um, I mean, my ultimate goal, you know, I want to play professional golf, you know, I want to make it to the PGA Tour one day, but I know it's, you know, it's baby steps. We just got to, for me, I look at it day by day. It's just perfect my craft and, you know, all yeah. that. Yeah, I think five, seven years from now, I want to, you know, be playing professional golf, and you know, I want to, you know, obviously want golf in my life. You know, I've put so much into it. So. Yeah. What kind of things are you gonna do to make that possible? Like, or if what you do you even need to do? Years, like, yeah, what, what do you, do you even, need to do? do, do? do? Legitimately, yeah. like, what is what is the next step for you at this point? Is it is it trying to? get on the corn ferry tour is it trying to go to q school is it trying to like what are Mini the tour events and yeah like what's the uh, legitimately i have no idea so like what's the what avenue is it for you i mean right now i play mix mostly am events i do play a few like mini tour things when i'm in florida but yeah i mean corn ferry q school that i want that in the near future maybe next year looking towards q school but I still look at it as, you know, smaller steps is just, I need to improve this, that, you know, I need to just keep getting better. So it's almost smaller goals okay. to lead towards that. And that's everything, right? Everything you do in life is like, is you have to have all these little, you have this big goal, but you got to plan out all these little goals. So, so to your point, like Q school might be a bigger goal on the biggest goal of playing professional golf, but... You have to have all these little things in there, which is yeah. good. It's good you have that plan. Yeah, I just gotta you know grind and keep getting better, and you know I want to improve my scoring average a little bit. But obviously, <laughs> I think we all want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I know I know I've got the tools to do it because I've played with you know guys. I've played with pros. I've played with guys that finished top three in the U.S. Open, you know, I've played with guys like that, and um, my game, you know, physically my game's not far off, or I, I don't want to say it like that, but physically I know I've got the potential, mm-hmm. if you to will, be there, yeah. like I feel like I have a high ceiling, but it's just, you know, it's just getting there, you know, it's maturing on the course, and, um, but yeah. You sound like you have that, again, talking about like little goals, like that's a mature thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, you talk about maturing on the course. It's another like being self-aware. Like it seems like IQ is a big thing. Uh, I think you get 
better with that with age. You also get better with that with just playing. The more you play, the more golf IQ you'll get. Like, what what does a day in the life of you look like? Yeah, so in full season, it'll be wake up, I'll go to the course. Some days I'll go to the gym first, but I try to go to the gym, you know, five days a week, I'll say. Mm -hmm. So I'm not mixing, you know, cardio, you know, strength training, all that. But, uh, and then just, you know, practice and, you know, obviously, you know, you know, putting, chipping, hitting balls, going on the courts, all that. So it's, it's, it's more or less like a full-time yeah, job. Pretty yeah. much a full-time gig. And I think structured practice is something I'm trying to, it's something I could, you know, if I'm being honest, could get better with. Mm -hmm. All of that, but it's all, it's all good. Uh, again, talk about being mature. That, <clears throat> that's one of those things where structured practice is like, yeah, you can go hit balls and, and you could hit three hours worth of balls, but what did you get out of it? What was your goal? What was your, what did you do? You hit, for three hours, you hit 45 minutes of driver, you hit a bunch of five irons, but, but if you can't, if you can't give a, like, I'm not saying like analytics on it, but if you don't have like a goal for what you're going to do, then, then, It's you like know. the old saying of quality over quantity. Exactly, yeah. Not practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. I've been guilty of that in the past where I'll, you know, hit balls for, I'll spend, you know, five hours, you know, hitting balls, hitting, potting for two hours, doing all this. And it's helpful, but you got to get on the course as well. And you got to, you know, get the ball in the hole and learn the score. So definitely in the past year or so, I've been playing more holes. So that's, you know, that's huge. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer. Like, I, I don't, I'm not against beating balls. And I know that's one thing Tiger recently said at Liberty National, like, stop watching YouTube and just go beat balls. Like, I'm okay with that, but I also think there's something that goes into playing golf on the course. Like, like you just said, putting the ball in the hole because we can simulate tough lies and awkward stances and all this different stuff, but just being on the course, we all have that competitive nature. Like, I still want to play a good round of golf. I still want to get the ball in the hole in the fewest amount of shots. And I still want to be on the golf course. So I do think that part of practicing is a valuable measure. Yeah, For I'd sure. Say, I'd say there's a mixture. There's the mechanic aspect of golf. Then there's the artistic aspect of golf, if you will, where, you know, going on the course, hitting shots, seeing shots, see the ball fly, you know, predicting lies around the green, all of that, which is super helpful, getting the ball in the hole. That's the things you gotta master if you want to, you know, play at the highest level. But the mechanics side, you gotta get the mechanics down as well. If you don't have, you know, the mechanics to hit the shots you want, you could play. I mean, playing a lot of holes could definitely help, but it's not gonna ultimately get ultimately get you where you want to go unless you get the mechanics down. Like I said, when I was younger, I you know, really focused on swing mechanics and mm -hmm. hitting, beating balls. But you know, now I can hit balls. 10, 20, 30 balls and then go play. Mm -hmm. And you'll know, pretty much play the same versus if I hit for an hour. You know, it doesn't at this point. There's a few swing tweaks I'm working on, but it's nothing you know, crazy. Nothing major. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Is, is that something where, like, when you're getting ready to play, are you, are you a, we're, I'm here, I'm going to hit, you know, five drivers, a bunch, you know, you're going to hit 30 balls maybe. So for, for a tournament, I'll, uh, 
usually I'll practice about an hour. I think that's a good time. I don't need much more than that. But if I'm gonna just, you know, have a practice day, I can maybe practice, oh, I could practice four hours. Right. And then say second half of the day, I'm gonna, you know, play 18. So, yeah, the four tournament hour, roughly. Okay. And broken down between, like, putting. Yeah, so usually I'll, usually I'll go to the putting green first. I'll put, I have, like, this gate. I put down, just dial in the stroke. Hit a couple chips, hit balls for about 20. To 25 minutes and then I'll putt a few more. Okay. Get the speeds down, roll a couple more before I go to the first tee. So that's usually what I'll do. I like that. I'm yeah. always looking for something to yeah. something to make it work. <laughs> so so to kind of end things, I always like to ask a, a question um, before Ryan ends it. And you know, I know I know a lot of golfers here in New Jersey get to play many different spots. And if you were to recommend a public golf course and a private golf course to the audience that if they had the opportunity to go play, where would you send them? Or if they got the special invite to go play at this golf course, you'd say, listen, you got to drop what you're doing and you got to go. Are there two spots for you that kind of stand out? So private, I would say, played the state end at Arcola, and that was a great test of golf and a great track. So for private, I'll go Arcola. And in public, we were talking about this earlier, I always would have said Atlantic City, but it's not private at the minute, unfortunately. But um, So I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, Atlantic City is so good. I, I, we talk, this comes up a lot for us in terms of like people bring it up as a public and that we have to sometimes correct them like now in private. Because I always say to him, because I know he loves this, is how the putting green just flows right into the first yeah. tee. That is aesthetically one of the best things, and I know that he loves that. That, that kind of like golf course architecture, I, I love that look. That like very smooth, you know, green right into tee. I don't know, I just, I think that that's, that's like golden age architecture, and I like yeah. that. Yeah. But I've never gotten to play AC, so that's my. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good ones like down the shore. I'm trying to remember. Um, Have you played Galloway? I played Galloway once a while back. It's another great one. I don't remember. Again, it was a while ago, so I was probably seven years ago I played it. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember too much about it. Arcola is a popular one. It is. Arcola is a popular one. We've heard that one from many people when we've told them you can't count your own course and you can't count Pine Valley. Arcola seems to get in the mix in this rotation of it for sure it is. Yeah. Pine Valley, I've never heard of that. Is that a yeah. <laughs> That's a gem. It's a semi-private. That's a gem. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of like deep in the woods in Camden. <laughs> kind of just hangs out by itself. Yeah. I feel like Ballamore is a pretty good one. It's kind of in that Atlantic City area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think golfers are kind of quirky by nature. I think we're just a, like, whether it's superstitions or habits or whatever you want to call it, I think we all get into, like, our, our things that we have on the golf course. What are some of those quirks, habits, superstitions that you have before you get to play a tournament? I'm not too crazy with all that. Like, I know some people, I mean, I, sometimes I'll use, like, the... I have like a luck, like if I'm using a ball mark that I've maybe played well with recently, I'll make sure I'm using that one. I won't be like too strict with that. 
So I mean, other than that, it's nothing, nothing crazy. Maybe I'll go like, it's not a superstition, but I'll like one tee, two tees in the golf cart. That's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> that is a superstition. I don't like to have a bunch of things in my pocket. It's not really like I think it's gonna make me play better, but yeah, it's more of a comfort thing. But do do you remember what Troy's were? I remember Troy had one specific one that I thought was super interesting. I don't. Troy won't buy pants that don't have a back left pocket because that's where he puts his glove, is his back left pocket. But I, but I guess I'm thinking about it now, though, like what pants don't have back left pockets? I feel like there's some that just have like a, it's like, it's like closed off. Really? Yeah. I yeah. Like, so I have like one, you feel them on my Instagram. Jack Irons Golf hit me up with a follow. Yeah, no doubt. I wear this one like purple raspberry shirt and I do see that a lot, now that you say that. So I, I mean, I'm starting to get convinced it doesn't mean anything, but at the time I was like, oh, this, I like the color of the shirt, and I wore it every round of the 2021 Philly M, and I ended up uh, being a finalist, finishing second, but I won pretty much all my matches with it, and I was like, I just kept riding the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so now I wear it. I wear that a lot. I wear it a lot in like final rounds. So that's kind of, I guess you could say my superstition. Oh, okay. yeah, I, now that you say that, dude, I, I've seen that on your Instagram when I've looked at it. It's a good looking shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. No, I, 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 it's so funny you say it because I've seen the purple. Yeah, I kept, so like, I kept wearing this shirt every, I wore it the first round stroke play Philly M. Match play, it's like 90 degrees. We're walking 36 holes a day, wear it. Second round, where again the third. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then obviously, you know, it's a New Jersey golf podcast, and there's a a great debate in the state of New Jersey, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you. There's a particular type of breakfast meat. What is that breakfast meat called? I got a roll South Jersey pork roll. Okay, good, good, good. good. Central and South Jersey, yeah. but yes. Yeah. It's, it's so obvious for us when we ask that question to people where you reside. Yeah. Because once we start dipping into like... Uh, what's it, the Raritan River there? The Driscoll Bridge goes over? That's, that seems to be the dividing line. I was curious though, because while we're south, we're also west here. Yeah. And, and more Philly. So I, I didn't know if it was... I didn't... That was a wrinkle that I was like... I was he pretty sure it was pork loop. roll, but like yeah. that could be the loop that we would... Yeah. Well, listen. You start talking about the, right. the Schuylkill River and he stuff. He answered it right. What, yeah. In our eyes. In our eyes, he answered it right. But listen, Jack, I, I can't thank you enough for, A, inviting us out here to, to Medford Lakes and, and can't wait to tee it up with you here. And thanks so much for, for coming on the show. And um, let's go have some fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, Appreciate it. So it's a fun track out here at Medford Lakes. So make some birdies, hopefully. Get past that 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. That's the, that's the most important thing. Awesome. Right, Good stuff, bud. Thank you.